Thanks, Matt. Good morning. It's good to uh, be here today. Actually, I was planning on being here today anyway, and then I got a call. Actually, it was a text this morning, about 2.30 in the morning. And uh, fortunately, my phone was on and it was close by. But you know, often you think that's some uh, telemarketer or a scammer or something, but I happen to have Pastor Brandon's number in my phone, so it popped up who it was, so I went ahead and looked at it rather than just turning it over, you know. So uh, grateful I had the opportunity to be available today. I was actually scheduled to preach in a church over in Belleville, Michigan, which is over by Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti area, and, and uh, we had to postpone that because of, well, they just had a lot going on and had to change it, so I was free today. And uh, so here I am, and uh, good to be here with you. A lot of you folks I don't know, it's nice to see the church growing. And uh, well, I was trying to think of something to share with you. You know, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare this morning, uh, but that's okay. You know, I've got the gift of gab, and God's been able to use that over the years. Uh, One of my... It's a favorite passage. It's back in Genesis chapter 22. We're not going to be there. I just wanted to mention something from that passage. In the beginning of it, in Genesis 22 and verse 1, it says, And God tested Abraham. How many of you like tests? Let me see them hands. (laughs) We don't like tests, do we? And yet God uses testing to uh, grow our faith and help us to have a faith that's a dynamic faith, a trusting faith. And I suspect that uh, some, if not all of you, this morning are going through a time of testing. And if you had your druthers, you'd rather be somewhere else. And if you could just tell the Lord, I really don't like this. I don't like to be tested, do you? No. And yet, it's an integral part of our Christian faith. And that's what I'd really like to talk to you about today is your faith. I suspect all of you here today have faith in God. You want to please God. Here, we can do this test. You, you don't need to raise your hand because we wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. But just answer this simple question. Would you like to have a faith that's pleasing to God? That you know in your heart, that God is pleased with your faith. I'm not talking about faith that saves you. Uh, I'm talking about a faith for a believer who is saved, but are you pleasing God with your life? Are you trusting Him, even in adversity? Uh, Many of you would know I lost my wife. Actually, I didn't lose her. I know where she's at. But she departed this world be two years ago in May. It's been a difficult time for me. And if God would have asked me what I would have desired, I'd have said, well, let's not do that. And yet I know that he never makes a mistake. Amen? Never makes a mistake. And whatever he does, it's always for our good, for his glory, And I don't mean that just as a Christian cliche. It's more than that. It's true. Whatever God is doing in your life, He's doing that for your good. 
Now, don't confuse what God is doing with your stupid mistakes. You know, a lot of times we make just uh, dumb decisions in life that causes us to end up in uh, bad places. And yet, even in that, isn't God able to make all things work together for good to those that love Him? Isn't that a wonderful passage of Scripture? Because it covers everything, even the stupid things we do. I'll have to admit, I make a lot of those stupid mistakes, and yet my Heavenly Father uh, watches over me, and He redirects my life, and eventually gets me to where He wants me to be. Even if I have to go kicking and screaming, He gets me there. Well, if you have your Bible with you, let me invite you to open to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the chapter on faith. As the book of Hebrews begins to draw to a conclusion, the writer focuses on faith. It's a faith that endures to the saving of the soul, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39. It's a faith that is pleasing to God. Remember, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to do what? To please God. So that's what we're looking at, a faith that's pleasing to God. This type of faith is not impeded by circumstances, for it's the deep conviction that the things of God, especially those for which we hope and those that cannot be seen, are absolute. We believe God, don't we? We trust Him, or at least that's our desire, is to trust Him, even in difficult situations. Hebrews chapter 11 documents the faith of many Old Testament believers. For example, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. But we're not going to look at those. We're going to look at a different set. It's important to remember that the book of Hebrews, or especially here in Hebrews 11, sets forth examples of the kind of faith that's pleasing to God. It's faith that endures, that doesn't give up. You know, I've been in the ministry for about 35 years, give or take a few years. Uh, I was almost 40. Don't, don't try to count that to see how old I am. I'm actually, I was going to say older than I look or younger than I look. I'm not sure, so I won't say any of that. But let me tell you what I've discovered being in ministry for these years. I've seen a lot of Christian people who cast away their faith when difficulty comes. Whether they're actually saved or not, I don't know. God knows. But a lot of folks that say, yeah, I'm a believer, and yet when adversity comes or difficulty comes, they sort of uh, toss God aside. Don't need Him anymore. Things aren't going the way I want it anyway. But that's not the kind of faith that pleases God. The, the, the faith that pleases God endures. It doesn't give up. We may not understand. In fact, we may not even be pleased with what God's doing. But we trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So I was driving down this morning. I live just north of Olivet. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul, his last letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And in verse 6, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. The Apostle Paul's life wasn't an easy one, but he didn't give up. And I suspect that many of you have had difficulties in life. In fact, I know you have. And I want to encourage you today in your faith and show you a faith that pleases God, a faith that you can live and demonstrate from henceforth and evermore if you want to do that, if you choose to do that. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is sandwiched between Hebrews 10 and 12. We won't take time just for time's sake to read those passages, but at the close of chapter 10, it talks about uh, not throwing away your faith. You need to hang in there. And then, of course, Hebrews chapter 12 begins with being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race that is set before us. And then it gives even our Lord Jesus as an example in verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12. So, there's the introduction for our message this morning. We're going to look at uh, verses 30 through 40 of Hebrews chapter 11. Here there are three important fundamentals about a pleasing faith that we ought to consider. And even more than consider, but to take to heart, try to implement these things into our life, at least in a knowledgeable way so that we don't forget them because they're important, especially when difficulty or trials come. In verses 30 through 34, uh, let me read that for you, please, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move. Let me say that again. Faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move. Now, God can do what He wants, when He wants. And He doesn't even need your cooperation. But what we're looking at from your perspective is a faith that God is pleased with. I have to believe that since you're here this morning, you made the effort to get up and get cleaned up and come out and go to church and worship together. You must have some affection for God. I'm assuming that you love God. 
or at least we think we do, right? Jeremiah reminds us in Jeremiah chapter 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Did you know even the Christian heart can deceive us? And we think we're doing what we ought to be doing, and in fact, maybe we're not. And maybe God isn't pleased with where I'm at in my Christian life. And so let's uh, pay attention here just for a few moments, and we'll see if we can end this, and we can go away knowing that I have a faith that God is pleased with. Acts of faith are not always the same. Sometimes faith is an act of obedience. Sometimes it's an unsecured trust. Jericho fell as the Israelites obeyed precisely what God told them to do. Here in verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. If you're familiar with that passage, you know they had, it was very, God was very articulate in what he told them to do. They're blowing trumpets, marching around the city, certain number of times on this day, different number of times on this day. And at the end, Joshua said, don't say a word until I tell you to shout. And when I tell you, shout! And they did what God told them to do. Why did they do that? Because they believed God. And they trusted Him. Some of that must have seemed so foolish. You know, the people up on the walls of Jericho, they're looking down at these goofy Israelites marching around, tooting horns, and thinking, how ridiculous, until they shouted, and the walls fell. You see, sometimes exercising faith is doing exactly what we're instructed to do. Sometimes, not so much. Rahab, on the other hand, had no promise of deliverance, did she? She didn't know how this was going to end. But when the spies came, she had already heard the reports about the Israelites who were coming. And the people of Jericho were afraid. And at some point, it doesn't tell us exactly But Rahab made the decision, I'm going to put my trust in the God of the Israelites. If he delivers me, that will be wonderful. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. She didn't know. But she was willing to trust God. And remember, Rahab is mentioned in this passage. This is the passage of faith, a faith that pleases God. Did Rahab's faith please God? Oh yeah, he was pleased. Uh, later on, we're going to mention uh, Samson. Just We won't look at his life, but just passing. I had, uh, had been preaching in another church and did a little series out of the book of Judges. And if you just had the book of Judges, you wouldn't think Samson would be recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. Because he certainly didn't seem like the kind of man who was living with a faith that was pleasing to God. Does he? Does he? No, he he doesn't. And yet here he shows up in Hebrews chapter 11. So this is not talking about a faith that's perfect, 
that never makes mistakes, but it is talking about a faith that trusts God. And Samson did. Oh, he wandered and strayed, but uh, in the end, he trusted his God. Well, back to Hebrews chapter 11. So, faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move. We see that there's different types of faith. There's faith that's obedient, and there's faith that's unsecured, but we're going to trust nonetheless. And the results aren't always the same as well. Look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah. These are judges. David and Samuel. Elijah, where it talks about the raising of the dead, is actually the faith of Elijah with the widow of Zarephath. And Elisha and the Shunammite. These women and their sons were the recipients of these Old Testament prophets and their faith. Sometimes our faith works on behalf of someone else, and we don't necessarily aren't the beneficiaries of that. Uh, the point here is this. The intended result for which we exercise faith does not set forth a greater degree of difficulty for God. Because as you study all these individuals and things they did for God, uh, some were great and some not so much. And here's the point, is that it's not any harder for God to raise the dead than it is to cause the rain to fall. There is no degree of difficulty with God. A number of years ago, I was putting a transmission in a 1981 Chevette. The clutch had went out, and we pulled the transmission out, and I changed the clutch, and for the life of me, I could not get that transmission back in there. You know, I'm not a, a big man, fairly uh, strong, uh, but I couldn't get that in there. Couldn't get the spline lined up, and it just wouldn't go. And my neighbor, who happened to be a big burly type guy, and he walked by one day and he said, What's going on, Dave? Well, I can't get this transmission in there. He said, Let me see if I can get it. So he shovels himself up under the car and grabs hold of that transmission. And there it was. You see, for us, there are degrees of difficulty in doing things. But with God, there is none. So whatever it is you're experiencing in life this morning, whatever it is, you think, uh, there's just no answer to this. It can't be done. But God can do it, can He? Did He not say, is there anything too hard for me? He who can speak the words and the universe comes into existence out of nothing. Is there anything that you're going through that God can't handle? No. Absolutely nothing. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean He's going to do what you want Him to. Aren't you glad God doesn't always do what you want Him to? Would this world not be a mess if He did everything that all of us wanted Him to do? Sometimes He says, no. Sometimes he says, wait, and sometimes he says, okay, but that's in his hands. And we'll trust him in that, 
won't we? That's what we're talking about, right? Is faith. Faith that's pleasing to God. First thing we see here is that faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move. The second thing is it's really important to grasp this concept. It begins in verse 35, right in the middle of the verse. Well, let me begin with the first part of the verse. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured. We'll talk more about this in just a moment, but let me give you this proposition. Not only is faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move, but faith that pleases God does not exempt you from adversity. Wouldn't that be great if once you trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, all difficulty and heartache was gone? What's easy sailing from here on out? But we know it doesn't work that way, does it? And the fact that you're a believer and you're trusting God doesn't exempt you from adversity. When deliverance isn't forthcoming in the way that we had hoped, that doesn't necessarily indicate that there's a lack of faith or that God is not involved or even has responded in some way. It just means things haven't unfolded the way that we had hoped that it would. Warren Wiersbe said, We must never conclude that the absence of deliverance means a lack of faith on the part of God's children. And the scriptures are filled with examples. The writer of Hebrews has just provided a few. Again, in the middle of verse 35, it says, And others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Ill treatment could be a sign of strength. In fact, here in this passage, we see some that did not accept deliverance. I'm sure it's talking about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember, they had the opportunity to escape the fiery furnace. And what did they do? Well, we're not going to bow down and worship you. If God chooses to deliver us, that's great. But if He doesn't, that's great too. You see, that's the kind of faith that pleases God, that does what's right and leaves the outcome with God and what He chooses to do in our life. That's not easy, is it? Probably some of you face a difficulty where you work and you feel pressure to not speak out for the Lord Jesus or your Christian faith in some way. I'm, I'm not talking about being uh, arrogant or uh, a nuisance to people, but just standing for what you believe. Peer pressure can be an enormous thing to hush us up. But that's not the kind of faith that pleases God. 
God wants us to stand for what we believe in and leave the, leave the circumstances or the conclusion in His hand. Some were tortured. The word torture means to beat with a drum. You know, there are things in life that are worse than death. And many of God's people have gone through that through the ages where they were tortured. But they did not relinquish their faith. It was the type of faith that God is pleased with. Are you anticipating that day when we stand before the Lord? I'm not sure how that's all going to unfold. But God's going to call your name and you will step forward and He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. What could be better than that? As that ripples throughout the universe and time as we know it, to know that you've lived a life that was pleasing to God. Not necessarily easy, but God didn't call us to an easy life. He called us to be faithful, and He'll provide the fruit if we're simply faithful. Living a life with a faith that pleases Him. Some were killed. Notice, notice especially the contrast between 34. I wanted to read that just so you'll see it. Verse 34, They quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And then if you drop down to verse 37, They were, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. Don't miss that. In God's providence, sometimes His saints experience death. Sometimes they experience deliverance. One of the passages where that is so clear is in Acts chapter 12. You have James and Peter are in prison for preaching, spreading the gospel. James is beheaded and an angel comes and delivers Peter. Couldn't God have delivered James? Absolutely. But He didn't. The explanations or reasons that we can come up with aren't always uh, acceptable to us. We struggle with things like that. But let me simply tell you that James' work on earth was over. So God called him home. Peter's wasn't. He had more things to do. But he would eventually give his life as well. One of the passages of Scripture that became so dear to Bonnie and me when she was going through cancer and the treatment and all of that and we could see that her body was becoming more and more weak was Psalm 139 I'm sure many of you are familiar with that passage and one of the verses tells us that all of our days were numbered 
before there was ever one of them. At exactly the right moment in human history, she breathed her last and was gone. And that's the way we would want it, isn't it? These are God's plans. And we'll have all eternity to discover the value of His plans as we interact with the saints in heaven and talk about these wonderful things that always don't seem so wonderful now. And he also talks about material goods. It's not an indicator of spirituality or God's blessing. Some of these folks live pretty difficult lives. Verse uh, 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two. Some think that's perhaps a reference to Isaiah. Uh, Anecdotally, we think that that's the way he was killed, was put alive into a log and sawn in two. Others, they went about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Editorial note, beginning in verse 38, inspired nonetheless, men of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves, holes in the ground, all these having gained approval. They didn't have much. That's the point. But that's not indicative of their faith or the strength of their faith or that it uh, talked about a faith that wasn't pleasing to God. In fact, Their faith did please God. And yet they came behind in this world's goods. And maybe you think life hasn't been too fair to you. And you got the short end of the stick, as it would be. But not so, if you're trusting God and living for Him. You could very well have the kind of faith that God is pleased with. Don't be looking at what someone else has and what you don't have. Just trust the Lord. Do the best you can, but you're trusting Him to make your circumstances better. That doesn't uh, relinquish our own responsibilities and things we ought to be doing, but ultimately we trust God, don't we? And what He does, He will do. Well, so we see faith is the channel through which God is pleased to move. Faith that pleases God does not exempt you from adversity. And then finally, faith that pleases, pleases God will be rewarded in God's time. I heard a story, a true story, I believe. I don't know the names, but it was uh, back in uh, maybe 40s or 50s, there were some missionaries coming back from the mission field and they were taking an ocean liner from uh, Africa, somewhere over there. And they were coming back and they pulled into New York Harbor. What they didn't know was uh, the president of the United States, I believe, was on board. And so when they pulled up into the dock, there was this huge group of folks, just thousands of people waving flags and all of that. And at first, the missionary thought that was for him and them. And then he discovered it wasn't. And when all the crowd left, there wasn't even anyone there to greet them. 
after a lifetime of missionary service. And he was a little put off by the whole thing. And he told his wife, he said, I can't believe here we're finally home and no one even came to greet us. And she said, honey, we're not home yet. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. As the old gospel song goes, My treasure and my hope is somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. We're just traveling through, folks. This is it. God has something much better for you. And at the appointed time and on the exact day, God will reward you for that faith that's pleasing to Him. In fact, this is the heart of living by faith. The very essence of faith is that it sees through circumstance. Our faith should not be weakened by what we do not understand or even whether we agree or disagree with God because we're going to trust Him. The point being that faithfulness now may not yield the result you're seeking, but God is faithful to supply what He has promised in His time. The question is, will you trust Him? That's really the question this morning. Regardless of what's going on in your life, will you trust Him? I remember when I was... uh, going to Bible college and I had a it was my Greek class and it was a difficult class to say the least we had lots of homework every night I forget uh, a lot of a lot of that you know and but I remember I'm an inquisitive type uh, fella and so I was constantly raising my hand asking how come this how come that and I can still remember my instructor. He and I became uh, good friends, Dr. Brew, later on. And he'd say, Dave, you just have to trust me in this. At, one, at some point, it'll all make sense to you. That's what God's asking of you. You're raising your hand. How come it's like this? I want to know the answer right now. And God's saying, just trust me. Someday it'll all make sense. And we'll rejoice forevermore in God's wonderful plans. Well, verse 39 and 40, and we'll close with this. And all these that's been mentioned here in chapter 11, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, They should not be made perfect. All these mentioned in Hebrews 11 surely are worthy of mention. But more than that, they represent the millions of others who have also remained faithful, people like you and and me even. But they did not cast away their faith, even in difficulty. God will provide for His own at the right time that which completes what He has begun. One of my favorite verses is Philippians 1.6. Paul wrote that He who has begun a good work in you will perform it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not going to give up on you. If you're part of His family, He continues to work in your life. And like Moses wrote about Abraham, some 500 years later after Abraham lived, Moses wrote in Genesis 22:1, and God tested Abraham. By the way, God didn't send Abraham a text message in the middle of the night and say, there's a test coming first thing in the morning. No, he just got up and God had a plan for him, just like he does for you. The question is, as we asked earlier, will you trust him? I trust that you do. If you're anything like me, you struggle at times wondering why God isn't doing things differently in your life. You want to trust Him, please Him, but He doesn't seem to understand your hardships and difficulties. But actually, He does. And you can be assured from His Word that, and let me leave you with these three things, He sees and fully understands everything in your life. He's more than able to alter your circumstances at any given time. Did you know whatever you're going through, God could change that? Just like that. But He has something that He's working out in us. And lastly, whatever you're experiencing, know that God is at work and you can trust Him. And when you do that, you'll exhibit a faith that's pleasing to God. And that's what we want, isn't it? A faith that God is pleased with. You remember how the book of Job begins and Satan, he comes before God and God says to Job, we, we won't get into all the theology there, but simply this, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now why would God say that? Because he knew Job had a faith that was pleasing to him. What God desires from you is a faith that isn't easily shaken by life's troubles. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that we mentioned earlier, illustrates that. That he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for our time together this morning. Just a reminder about faith. We love you. We know that we often come up short of pleasing you in the way we live our lives. Our prayer is that you would help us take these things to heart. We know that faith that pleases you is a channel through which you will work. We know that our faith doesn't exempt us from the adversity of life. But we also know that in your time, you're going to reward that. So help us to be faithful until that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.